We have heard the saying, a prophet is not without honour, except in his own country. Mary Haddo talks about the experience of Jesus as he returns to his hometown of Nazareth. Have you ever read a book and were so engrossed in the story that without realising it, you had also vividly imagined the characters? In your mind's eye, you could see the various settings and the characters involved. And when you heard they were making a, the book into a film or a TV series, you got a tad excited. You have imagined what the character looks like, their tone of voice, their mannerisms. You turn on the TV or go to the cinema. And as the story unfolds before you, you find yourself a little disappointed. It might be at the portrayal of the main character, or you wonder where these additional prominent characters came from because they weren't in the book, or why the plot has changed, or even the ending, or the scenes are so dark in order to portray the grim setting the story takes place in that you almost have to squint to see the people on the screen. On the other hand, you might be really happy that the main character is exactly as you imagined, so much so that when you reread the book, the character takes on the physical attributes of the actor and it changes and enhances your whole experience of reading the book. So, for example, for me, David Sushi will now always be Hercule Poirot in my imagination. Though why Captain Hastings appeared in some of the on-screen adaptations in the Poirot series like Evil Under the Sun when he wasn't in the book, grates a little, but not too much. Today we think about what happens when Jesus reveals himself to be the fulfilment of God's words spoken through his prophets and recorded in scripture. The setting for this drama is a synagogue in Nazareth. Jesus' hometown. We're told it's also the synagogue he attended regularly when he lived there. Luke wants us to grasp the fact that Jesus is a devout Jew. He's familiar with Jewish scriptures, the law and the prophets. So when Jesus reads aloud the passage from Isaiah, he knew, and the people listening to him would know, that this is a reference to God's anointed one the longed-for Messiah, the one who would bring in God's kingdom on earth. Have you ever wondered how he read it? I imagine it to be with authority, emphasising particular words or phrases, because he not only knows that they reference God's anointed one, but that these words are speaking of him. Then I imagine he slowly rolls up the scroll and sits down, we're told the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Is there a deep and expectant silence? Does time appear to stand still as they wait for him to speak? Perhaps Jesus casts his eye around the synagogue. After all, these are his neighbours, his childhood friends, the, the people he grew up around. But Jesus' ministry didn't begin here. It began in the towns around the Lake of Galilee. He was based in Capernaum. 
He had gained a reputation as a remarkable speaker and a worker of miracles, and word had reached his hometown of Nazareth of the amazing things this local son had been doing. Now he has returned, and because everyone in the town knows him, they know that he will be in the synagogue on the Sabbath. They all turn out to hear him. It also appears that they're hoping he will do among them some of the miracles he's done in other towns. He read from scripture, all eyes on him. Then he speaks. No preamble, no illustration, straight to the point. Words spoken with authority, with certainty and with power that seems to come from deep within him. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The people of Israel had God's scripture as part of their life for generations. These words from Isaiah had been read again and again. They had a picture in their minds of what God's promised saviour would be like and what he would do. Now suddenly they have Jesus before them, a living person who is not only going to put God's laws into action, he's saying he is the fulfilment of the words of the prophets. Initially, it seems that this was good news to his hometown listeners. Yes, it was a big claim, but think about what the Messiah was going to do. For generations, they've heard that the Messiah will be for the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed, those imprisoned in some sort of darkness because of economic difficulties, political oppression, physical and spiritual limitations or because of social status. God's promise was that the Messiah would shed a light that will set them free. There would be justice, forgiveness, healing. What's not to like about what Jesus says? Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. I can hear it almost as local boy makes good. But then the mood changes as Jesus challenges them. Do they really accept him as a fulfilment of the prophet's words? Or do they just want what they can get from him, thinking they're in a privileged position because they know him? Then he goes on to remind them that in the history of Israel, prophets aren't usually accepted by their own people. But more than that, one of their most famous prophets, Elijah, wasn't sent to one of the many widows of Israel, but instead went to a foreigner. His protege, Elijah, did something similar, bypassing many lepers in Israel and healing a foreigner. Jesus shines the light of truth into their exclusive, limited perspective. He's not saying that God won't bless Israel, but rather a central message of Jesus' teaching as Luke presents it is that God's promise is for everyone. So did the people think that they would get special privileges when Jesus set up his kingdom simply because he was one of them? Did they think that God's promise was exclusively for the people of Israel or indeed their own local congregation? Did they think it was all about physical healing? And were they missing the spiritual aspect within God's promise? It appears that this is the case, because they do not respond well to the challenge. Instead, they turned on him. 
He wasn't the Messiah they had imagined when they read about him. I think there are probably a number of challenges in this reading for us today. Are we, like the people of Jesus' hometown, more inclined to want to see something visible, something physical, something spectacular, something clearly supernatural in the way of miracles, rather than see someone's life transformed because of their encounter with Jesus? Is there anyone we wouldn't want to be part of God's promise of inclusion, forgiveness, justice, healing? because we have labelled them different from us, not one of us. Do we share Jesus' concern for the marginalised, the vulnerable, and for those beyond the boundaries of our local congregation or our nation? And what do we make of the words and deeds of Jesus, which are written down as part of God's holy scriptures? It might be tempting to keep words about Jesus on the printed page safe within a book, study them and perhaps even analyse them. But we're called to take them out of the book, to become part of the story ourselves, to live them, to act upon them on the world stage and to do so with love. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians gives us what is considered to be the best description of love ever written. It's not about romantic love or desire, rather it's a love unsullied by self-interest. Yes, we might see it as an ideal, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't be strived for. Jesus fulfilled the ideal of love that Paul speaks about. He was kind. He never envied anybody or boasted about himself. He was patient, especially with his disciples who never seemed to just quite get it. He didn't see rudeness as a response to things said to him or about him. He wasn't selfish and he did not easily take offence. He didn't keep harking back to the wrong people did. He never lost his trust in God or his hope in him and he never stopped loving. Paul tells us things fade and pass away, but love endures. The kind word, the kind deed, the words of solace shared the words of life imparted. These will never pass away.